The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina, and as always, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? Couldn't be better. I mean, it could in so many ways, but uh, it's a pretty good day. I actually was, uh, I played, I was playing a lotto ticket the other day, and I won 750 bucks. So everything else, no, everything else this week doesn't matter. It's all good. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I will quickly blow that money on extremely frivolous items. I was going to say uh, a scuba card, a scuba, uh, another scuba rookie card or something. Oh, well, I mean, I'd also have to buy more binders to hold them, but yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe you could just build like a, uh, uh, an homage uh, to, to scuba. Yeah. There's definitely not one already in here. That's no, right. No, definitely no. still have to build that. Didn't All already right. do that. All nope. right. So we're recording, <laughs> we're recording this May 17th. Uh, it's about uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, this podcast is coming out on the 18th. And you know what the 18th is, Scott? It's Reggie Jackson's birthday. Not Reggie Jackson, the, ba- uh, the basketball player, but uh, Reggie Jackson, former A, former Yankee, former Angel. Uh, are you familiar with Reggie Jackson? I, I mean, I, I know you know almost about everything about today's baseball, but uh, are you familiar with uh, some of the players from yesteryear? Oh, he's got just that classic look to me of like an eighties ball player, (laughs) Uh, like me, even early nineties, just like that thick, like, you know, like the well manicured hair, but very like thick and dense. Uh, And then like the big aviator glasses, Uh you know, Um, and just like looking, the yeah, yeah. Right? and just looking salty all the time <laughs> just well, always uh, grumpy <laughs> well i'll tell you man he uh he was one of my favorite ball players you know historically like in in, in the recent yankee history uh yankee signed him in 77 um power hitter he, if you look at him and his prime he looked like a baseball player just like you know very he's one of the the first baseball players that i remember that was really really built you know the and the, then you had the jose Cansecos and and you know, mark mcguires and guys like that but you know it, what was funny is when, when i watched him when he played 
you know, he was always like one of the biggest ball players, but now watching him in, you know, when they show some old games like on uh, the Yankee Yes Network and whatnot, and you compare him to what some of the ball players look like today, he's almost like tiny. You know, it's it's amazing. But uh, Judge will do that to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 563 lifetime home runs, uh, 2,597 strikeouts in his career, the most of any player. But at the same time, I, I'll mention this, and then we'll get on, because I don't want to spend too much time on, on Reggie Jackson. But... Um, he had a 22.7 lifetime K rate, and that's nothing by today's standards, right? No, nothing. It's yeah, great. Yeah. And yet he was, you know, like I said, he had the most total strikeouts in the history of the game, 2,597. So happy birthday, Reggie Jackson. And, uh, you yeah, know, thanks for uh, winning a couple championships for the Yankees. So um, at, at this stage, uh, Scott, we've been talking about in, in recent episodes how it's it's early. Don't worry about it. I mean, the, the batting averages uh, could make such a significant change with just a, a good weekend. You know, we're, we're a little over six weeks into the season. Uh, at this stage, do you think it's time to start to take a, a real inventory of your teams and, and where do you find yourself being more patient and more impatient? You know, like in a, in a, in a are you more patient uh, in let's say a, a 15 team league where the player pool is a little bit more shallow than, you know, and, and you don't have great options like when you're dropping somebody as opposed to let's say 10 and 12 team leagues. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at replacement cost. Like, what is it, what is it going to take to get another player in the spot and how good will they be? Right. So in three outfield leagues, my patience for outfielders is basically none. Right. As much as I still believe in Jesse Winker in three outfield leagues, I might've cut him in a league or two where I had a pinch, right? Because Ooh. outfield replacement levels just so high. I don't need to wait for Jesse Winker. There's plenty of other stuff out there where as in a 15 team league, five outfield, I have to hold on to Jesse Winker. I mean, maybe I'll bench him, but he's been, of course, much better lately. That's why I'm using his as an example. He'll be the feature, you know, he's the feature of uh, this week's hitter list, uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, in terms of the graphic. But the thing is, like, when you're in a 15 team, five outfield league, for example, what on the waiver wire at any given time has more upside than Jesse Winker, ha- like, just returning to 75% of what he could be? Right. The answer is probably not much, mm. not much out there that could match that. So why would I cut Jesse Winker for someone who probably can't be, you know, two thirds of Jesse Winker? Right. Right. So that and that means the gamble I'm taking, unless I've seen something that just makes it look truly miserable, which is not a stat page. But uh, like in that case, like all I want is to hold and see if like that, because that's my best move. That's how I move up in the rankings. It's my guy getting better. If I'm behind in power and I, you know, hate to use the example now, but like a friend, Mil Reyes, if, if I've really needed power, nobody on the wire hits for power at all. Like what Fran Mil Reyes can do. Mm-hmm. Fran Mil Reyes can hit more homes on runs in a week than most guys on the wire will in a month. So why would you cut him to mess around with that garbage? Right. Right. So I've got a situation with Mitch Hanniger and he's on a, a 15 team uh, league where I'm starting five outfielders and, uh, I haven't cut him. 
I have him on my bench. But like you mentioned, in a league where I'm only starting three outfielders, you would have been gone. Yeah. And I mean, I I don't hate cutting him, uh, to be honest with you, because it's like a 10 to 12 week timeline mm. that he's looking at. So if it's one of those no IL leagues like the NFBC, mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's enough upside in Hanager to really hold him for that long mm-hmm. because it is just a power bat. Right. But again, something worth noting, and it can't be stressed enough that when you're looking at your players, like let's say you're looking at Bobachet, who's been much better in May, mm-hmm. right? Much, Thank much you. better. Uh, you still have to look. So he's played just about every game. He's only played 36 games. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's as many as just about anyone. He has 158 plate appearances. He will likely end the season with anywhere from like between 650 and 700 plate appearances. That means he's done 158 and he has like 450 to go. Right. No, like 500 to go. He's, he's basically probably got another 500 to go. Basically a quarter of the season is gone for him. Right. So he's got but 75% like, <laughs> but, you know, of his uh, at-bats still yet to come. Right. And, and I'm not saying like he's going to be just what he was last year. Like you have to recalibrate your expectations a little bit. Like instead of third, like last year, he was 29 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Now this year, I'm like, well, he got off to the slow start. That'd be hard to catch up. So maybe now I think of him more as like a 25 home run, 20 stolen base guy. You know, take five off of each one because he's run a little bit, but he hasn't hit the homers I'm hoping for, blah, blah, blah. So I'll recalibrate my expectations. And by doing that, it also probably will help a lot of folks think of players, not so much of like what's good coming forward. It's okay. I knew at the beginning of the year that these numbers would be a good player. So you can put it back in that context and you can say, okay, so like if I'm looking at a fan graphs page, I'm going to take the current stats plus one of the projected stats and then just think like, okay, what kind of player is that? Is that a player who's good? Could I find something like that on the waiver wire? Because most of us think of players in terms of their full season outputs, not their monthly or 122 game outputs, right? So that's, that's probably the easiest way to think about it. And again, players had last season 36 game slumps. They happened, but they weren't so noticeable because they were, you know, they were sort of sandwiched between better times. So you didn't notice it as much. You probably heard about it in a podcast and that's it. But when players slump in the beginning of the season, it's the only stats they have. Sure. Magnified. Yep. Right now. But that doesn't mean, though, that you should just totally ignore them. Like one of them I'm really worried about, honestly, is Marcus Semyon, because he hasn't just been bad. He's been abysmal. Mm -hmm. Horrid. Right. He flashed a sign of like for like two days. He had like back to back two hit games and then it was just over again. So now you're almost wondering, like, what is still available? Like, what can I still get out of this? You know, like those projection systems are generally very good. They'll be slow to adjust from their early season projections, but they will eventually. But even then with Marcus Semien, you have to start thinking like, okay, in what league can you cut him? Not 15, probably not 12, uh, but you know, those, those eight and 10 teamers, especially if it's like a super shallow league where you don't have middle infields, I I could see someone cutting Marcus Semien in that spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Because let's be, no, ain't nobody trading anything for him. I don't know, maybe if someone gives you a player, they would have cut great. But that's that's the hard place you're in right now. So then you have to start thinking, you know, in an 18 league, Jeremy Pena might still be on the wire, right? So like there's replacements. But in a 15 team league, what's out there? Jose Iglesias? You're going to run that out there? Be like, oh yeah, this will get me what I wanted from Marcus Simeon. Not even close. Mm. 
So, I mean, he might this week because they're in Coors and anything can happen, but it, you just can't find a long-term solution that way. Right. I know that's a lot to just talk about, but it's it's the thing everyone should be trying to do right now. Yeah. And what you're all you, and all you're looking for from players right now is signs of life. Jesse Winker, signs of life. Right? Signs of life that they're getting back in the swing of things. It was still a weird offseason. All that stuff. Like that's what that's what you're looking for. Yeah. He's in a new ballpark too, and he's played uh his entire major league career in a little bandbox, right? In Cincinnati. So that you take that into consideration as well. So um, you know, I was gonna get to these guys a little bit later, but since we're on this kind of topic, I'll ask you about Tyler O'Neill. You know, you know, what do you do with Tyler O'Neill? Is it you've got uh he's got a 29% K rate. I mean, you know, he was a little bit polarizing in preseason drafts. He had some uh, some drafters that loved him, uh, others that you know, were concerned that he you know struck out 31% of the time last season, had the big season last season as well. Others, they swore by him and thought he was a great you know five-tool investment. And some of those that swore by him, are not, are now they're swearing at him. So in a, in a, in a three outfielder league, are you, is he, is he droppable at this point, Tyler O'Neill? I mean, again, those eight and 10 teamers, maybe. I mm-hmm. mean, probably not. The upside's really high. But those shallow leagues, I mean, very few outfielders are even needed. I think the thing that concerns me here is that, you know, one, the plate discipline is actually better than it was last season. Uh, when you just look at like current numbers versus last season's numbers. Mm-hmm. But what I think what's just worrying me is really the lack of power. Like the speed can still come, right? Like we saw Jose Ramirez go through horrible slumps for like two years, but he saw the speed, right? And I do still think that you can get like 15 steals. The question is going to be, when is the power coming? He has a strangely good like barrel rate and things like that. But the hard hit rate is awful. Uh, the, you know, the, the stack has stats are all going to be kind of redundant because they're all about quality of contact and he's making bad contact. And you probably already knew that because his stats are abysmal, mm. but he, I mean, he is barreling them up from time to time. Like what he is finding them, just not the way that he should. I, I'm really, you know, like I do expect this 6.1% home run to fly ball rate to fix itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, he's not hitting very many deep fly balls. He's hitting yeah. a lot of weak stuff. So I expect correction. But again, I'm going to recalibrate here. I, I'm not going to think of him as the 35 home run 15 to 20 stolen base guy that I might've thought he could do in the preseason. Like that projection can't work anymore Mm. because that projection didn't bake in a 30 game start with a 65 WRC plus, right? That projection required a little more juice to start the season. So now I'm going to recalibrate. And what do I think he can be? Um, I'm probably a little more pessimistic than some of these projections, but I think that by the end of the season, he could look like a 240 hitting, 25 home run, 15 stolen base guy. Mm. That's not unlike what I've projected for Christian Yelich, to be honest with you, except a much better OBP for Yelich. Yeah. But, you know, th- that's still a useful player, but it just might not be good enough in certain shallow leagues where you don't need very many outfielders. Right. Yeah. Two home runs in his first 30 games and three stolen bases during that period as well. So, yeah, you you said 25 home runs while you were going through that. Before you even said it, I was thinking 27. So we we kind of agree. So um, how about the the Wonder Twins? Wonder Twin Powers activate! 
Stephen Kwan and Owen Miller uh, for the Guardians. I mean, Stephen Kwan's still batting second. Uh, last time I looked very recently, Owen Miller was still batting cleanup. Uh, Stephen Kwan especially kind of fueled uh, it was during the first few weeks of the season. Anybody who was rostering Stephen Kwan kind of was at almost at the top of their leagues. What are you doing with Stephen Kwan and Owen Miller at this stage? Both don't have a, a long track record in the major leagues, but have had good success, especially OBP-wise, in the minor leagues. So Stephen Kwan still just looks like a contact god to me. Mm-hmm. That guy, he, he never strikes out. He will take walks, so you can't just pick around him. Um, the the problem here is that the Guardians started the season scoring a boatload of runs, and that just wasn't going to continue. That's just not something this team was capable of doing. So, for example, Stephen Kwan is still hitting 280 on the season, right? He's still getting on base plenty. The problem is that it doesn't matter if no one else is doing anything. Their offense is just slowed down in general. You know, so it just means there's less there. Now, it doesn't help that he's hitting 208 on the month, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he actually, he had, you know how many ho- combined home runs and stolen bases Stephen Kwan had in the month of April? Off the top none. of my head, none. <laughs> Zero. Not one, right? Because he's very much a uh, Luis Arias, David Fletcher, this kind of type of player who just doesn't provide a lot. And they will, their value is really dependent on how often his teammates can drive him in. And that has slowed down a lot. Part of it, again, he's not hitting great. And the other part of it is just that there's, there's not as much going there. This whole, this whole offense has just changed. So I'd say I'm much more optimistic on Quan because at least Quan has the tool that, that hit tool is legitimate. Right, it's as good as a hit tool as there is in the major leagues when it comes mm-hmm. to putting the bat on the ball. So that's a skill that you can buy into, especially if you're in a points league. Owen Miller was the more sort of surprising one to me. Um, he was not nearly as heralded as a prospect. Like Quan was a top 100 prospect coming into the year, right? And in fact, Fangraphs had him at 58. Uh, but Owen Miller was like a nobody who, I mean, he did good in the minor leagues last year, but in the majors where he spent more time, he was awful. Hmm. So I was surprised to see him come on. But even then, right, this was never a player who was going to hit for a ton of power. So early in the season, he did like, he just wrecked all these doubles and home runs. Right. Uh, And then since then he has, uh, I think four doubles and a home run uh, since April 17th. Let me tell you how many plate appearances that is. That's 79, 79 plate appearances. He had five extra base hits, right? That's, that's not a good way to do this. He just doesn't have a ton of power. He was never going to provide speed. So you needed him to get a lot of runs in RBI. But the problem is despite hitting fourth, he only has six RBI in the last month Mm -hmm. right now. Again, he missed a chunk of time in there, but there's still a lot of plate appearances here. Like 79 plate appearances, six RBI, it doesn't line up. Reason that's happening partially again, it's just team context. There's not as many guys to drive in. Right? Now, again, he's not, it's not like he's hitting a ton of home runs or anything, but you know, he has plenty of games where, you know, he hit, he gets like multiple hits, like a single and a double, and no counting stats to, you know, no counting stats. He gets nothing for it, right? Uh he had, you know, another game, he'll have two hits, he got a double, and then at least he got the two runs in RBI. But like early in the season, they were all just piling up. 
because mm-hmm. there was a bunch of guardians on base all the time. Yeah. He couldn't, you know, you couldn't, he couldn't turn around without driving runners in or scoring runs or whatever he needed to do. Right. Like he scored eight runs in four games as the number six hitter for the guardians. <laughs> how long was that going to continue, Joe? <laughs> like how, when, how many games can you score two runs for the guardians as the number six hitter? Turns out it was because he was playing Cincinnati uh, during that time uh, and the back end of the Royals rotation, but whatever. So those guys, uh, you know, Quan, again, some value in leagues where, again, you have a lot of outfield and you need at-bats and you need ratios. He'll be great for those. Also good for points league because he just puts a lot of, he makes a lot of contact. He's going to hit near the top of the order. There's no other place to put him because he's not like a speed demon, right? He's not like, he's not like fake second leadoff, man. He's a leadoff guy. Because mm-hmm. he always puts the or at least one or two, right? Always when puts he, the when he strikes out, you're shocked. Yeah, mm-hmm. rarely happens. He's got like a almost a 13% walk rate and an 8% strikeout rate. Like that's just how he works. Then there's Owen Miller, and quite frankly, I've cut him in a couple of places because his upside was never that high to begin with. This was always a guy where it's like, well, ride it while it's hot. There's probably not much here. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, you wrote it while it was hot. And now you're realizing there's probably not a ton here. And so if something else comes up and you, you, you know, have another guy you want to put in at first or second base, maybe like a Colton Wong, do it. Or a Gene Segura, who's been absolutely on fire. I would absolutely make that move in just about every, you know, in every league. That's a tough uh, skill to have to know when it's time to cut someone in some respects, because uh, there's nothing worse than, than cutting a player and then watching him go off. <laughs> but again, yeah. and I'm glad you brought that up because like, mm-hmm. what if I do that? And then Owen Miller has a hot week. I don't care because I've, I've already made a decision. I've made my evaluation of the player. I don't think there's more than, you know, I think maybe a 15 home run guy with a decent, you know, with decent ratios, not even amazing, just decent. Like you saw what he looked like during a hot streak. And it was pretty good, but that's like absolute ceiling. And he's not going to do that for very long. Mm. So I'm going to cut him and I'm just going to replace him with someone else and try to get their ceiling. And then when it goes away, cut him. Like, you really do I think wouldn't Gene care? Is- I mean, I, I care. I mean, I care I about them. <laughs> I want them to succeed and be happy because I want that for everyone. But uh, I also like just don't need it on my fantasy team. Mm. I can keep moving on, especially, you know, with second base, which has been deeper than I expected this season. You know, it, even in a deeper league, if Andre Simenez was still out there, absolutely grabbing him. Another guardian. Yeah. Um, hey, since you mentioned Marcus Simeon, let's take a, a, a minute or two. Talk about Trevor Story, who uh, has gotten off to a real rough start, as have uh, some other Red Sox players. But uh, since you mentioned Simeon uh, and his slump, who do you think uh, snaps out of their slump? Who do you have more faith in? Uh, by end of season, uh, Trevor Story or Marcus Simeon? Now, Story has a, a 32% K rate, uh, hit a home run on, on Monday night. So now he has two home runs in his first 30 games. But like I mentioned, uh, batting average, just about 200 at this stage. Yeah, but you know what I really liked is that he's got three straight games with a stolen base and three straight games with a walk, mm. right? That signs of life. And if you, if anyone was in, uh, if you know, if anyone's into Reddit and you're on the fantasy baseball Reddit, you'll know that um, I spearhead our weekly Reddit AMA. And I thought Asher, one of the guys on staff, had a great point that 
the approach that story likes to take, which is this heavy pull hitting right-handed guy, it could not be better for him than to be in Fenway park. Mm -hmm. That's going to start working. He is going to rope doubles off that wall over and over again. I know it. So, I mean, it's going to be like, he's a different player than Manny Ramirez, but just think right-hander trying to just bounce stuff off the top, you know, third of that wall. If they can't get it over, it's just doubles every time. So, I think that's, you know, it's interesting to see them, see them drop him in the order. I'm glad it seems to be working a little bit. He's certainly scored a lot more runs and driven in more runners the last few games. And I have some faith there where with Simeon, I'm just not seeing it. What am I supposed to be excited about? Right? Like story, at least he's got two home runs in his last five games, three stolen bases, some walks, fewer strikeouts, all, all kinds of things happening in an incredibly small sample, but something, what has Simeon got? Right? Like nothing. He hasn't done anything. He has two stolen bases. He has a 33 WRC plus, right? He has eight RBI, eight, eight. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> could have been seven. Hmm. Could have been seven. He has no home runs. No, now yeah, he's still that, making plenty of contact. Yeah. He, he's making plenty of contact. It's just garbage contact right now. I'd say the thing I've seen just from like sort of box score browsing is if there was, you know, it might be pressing a little bit, right? Like he might be sort of making contact with pitches that probably he shouldn't be going after because he's trying to justify what he's doing. Like his swing rate right now is 53 point, you know, it's 53.3%. It's usually around like 40, 45, mm-hmm. right? Well, 45 ish. So that's way up. He's, you know, his O swing rate last year was 20% or 20.5%. Now it's 29.3%, right? Way up. His zone swing rate, way up, right? And his contact rates are sort of staying steady, but that's not good because it means he's swinging at and making contact with a lot of junk, right? Uh, he's making a bunch of contact on outside pitches. He's making less contact on pitches in the zone and he's swinging more and hitting worse pitches, Right? There's nothing there yet. Can he turn it around? Sure, because he's shown this skill set several times now. He has that skill set, but we also know that his slumps are are ugly. They're mm-hmm. ugly and they can be long. They can be you know, all season long, right? That 2020 season, I mean, it was only 53 games, but it was bad. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. <laughs> so, you know, it, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if later we hear he had some Eddie Rosario vision problem or whatever, but this is a a very troubling turn. And no matter how hard I look, I just don't see the signs of life yet. All I can Mm. really say is like, well, his plate discipline's okay. Like, Mm. how can I, how can I say that he's definitively better than Jerickson and Profar for the rest of the season? When I think they're both like 20 home run, 10 stolen base guys. Mm. Right. Cause Simeon was never that good with batting average anyway. Career two fifty three hitters. So I, it's not that I don't have faith. It's just like, if I have faith, what, what do I have faith in? Right. He ain't hitting 45 home runs. Probably not no. hitting 30 either. Right. Yeah. Neither one. So now what, now what do I do? I try to project him to be something else. I think the other projection systems are pretty smart and none of them think he's better than 22 more home runs, which more would just mean total because he still doesn't have one mm-hmm. in 143 plate appearances. So I know I'm rambling a lot, but like, this is a really, really troubling thing. And, you know, again, I know I've said you can't cut him in super deep leagues because like 
there's still that like, well, even in 12 team leagues with middle infield, cause there's still value in a 20 home run, 10 stolen base, 250 hitter with obviously upside to be much better than that. But you know, every week that goes by, we get closer and closer to crunch time and we get closer and closer to maybe he's just, you know, he's just like, he's like the Eric molds of, mm. of fantasy baseball where it's just every other year. I don't know. I don't know. And for the love of God, even in a 15 teamer, if you're not cutting him, bench him, please. Yeah, bench. <laughs> Everyone always asks me if they should cut someone. No one ever asks me if they should bench him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It's an option. Bench right. him. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when it comes to story, uh, good analysis on your part. I, I do notice he's hitting a lot of fly balls uh, and has an overabundance, though, of infield fly balls. So maybe he's just like, you know, just his, his swing is off. Maybe he's trying too hard. Maybe he's trying too hard to hit the ball over that green monster. So that's um, exact. That's a real thing. We don't talk about it enough. It's pressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, you know, Sarah does a nice job talking about this on the athletic podcast, but like, that's a thing that real people do. All of us do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, when I would sub as a, as a rec league soccer goalie, not doing that right now. Cause I just destroyed my knee. But when I would sub for other teams, I would absolutely try to put on like a, like a, my best possible face. And sometimes that meant I was a little over aggressive trying to make the big save, try to show off a little like, Oh yeah, you don't worry guys. I'm here. I got you. Right. You, you got the right guy for the job. And then sometimes it would lead to me having a miserable night because I'm not playing the way I expect to play. I expect that's exactly what's going on with story mm-hmm. and with Semyon, it's that. And then it's also got to be more. Cause again, this is just really bad. Right. He's slugging two fifteen. That's a bad OBP. Mm. And the Red Sox really need story to come on because it uh, doesn't look like Xander Bogarts is going to be on their team next year. I mean, uh, he has the option to opt out and uh, all signs point to him probably doing that. Uh, it seems that he was insulted with the Red Sox uh, extension offer that they gave him. I think they just gave him a one-year extension offer. So uh, story was basically insurance, an insurance policy uh, for for the Red Sox. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. I mean, but, we've watched him wear Red Sox colors for, what is it now? Uh, actually, I know what it is. 4,902 plate appearances heading into tonight. That would just be really weird to see a different jersey. Mm. Hey, uh, you know, money talks. So, (laughs) and absolutely no change to his fantasy outlook. Right. There's there's like, it could only, I guess, maybe be a little better if he Mm -hmm. went to like Colorado and they weren't the Rockets. Yeah. (laughs) That's about it. I I could see him going to the Angels. Angels still need a shortstop, right? Yeah, Um, that'd be nice. mm, uh, Add him to that lineup. So, all right. So, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, there's a few big name players that hit the IL. We'll talk about the fantasy implications uh, about those players uh, not being in their team's lineups and starting rotations right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Joe Galina, Scott Chu, Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. And uh, before we took our short break, we were talking uh, about some of the players that hit the IL recently. And Brandon Lau, uh, the uh, second baseman for the Rays, is going to be out for the next three weeks or so. Stress reaction in his lower back there, Scott. So uh, a couple of players come to mind who should benefit and get regular bats. First of all, Vidal Bruhan has been, been playing pretty regularly and uh, with Lau out, at, that should help him. But another guy uh, that you had been talking about previously, former Tiger, Isak Paredes. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, he should benefit and get some extra playing time as well, no? Yeah, yeah, I think that he will. And again, this there's a reason this team keeps calling him up, and it's because he makes a lot of good contact. He's done it at the, you know, he hasn't quite done it at the major league level yet, but in the minor leagues, he was, you know, not a ton of power. I mean, actually a fair bit of power, but in 25 games, he had seven doubles, a triple, four home runs. He was only hitting 263, but, you know, that's because he had a little bit of a slump lately, but not even that, right? Because he doesn't have back-to-back games without a hit in the minors. Mm. Not not one. Wow. <laughs> not, wow. a single, not a single set of back-to-back games without a hit. Uh, so that's, that, I mean, I, yeah. I really like him in, in very, very, obviously very deep leagues because playing time is a big question. I think that the impact right now is mostly going to be Vidal Bruhan. I, I like him a lot, but basically you just got to know that he's just an absolute speed monster. Like he might be one of the fastest guys in the league right now. And he does have a good hit tool, right? What I really like seeing is last season when we saw him really small sample, but he couldn't stop striking out. And right now it's not good contact, but he's making a ton of contact. That's way better than striking out. If he can just make more contact, he doesn't need it to go very far to get on base. This guy's lightning fast. He could definitely have an impact, especially in Roto with stolen bases. If he keeps playing more, but in you know standard leagues, especially like a head to head categories where stolen bases aren't really at a premium. He's not as interesting unless it's an, unless he's truly an everyday player batting in the middle of the order, mm-hmm. which he has been for a few days, but I don't know how long that'll last, especially because he's just not, you know, he's not making enough good contact yet. Right. Um, was it last season? 26 plate appearances in the bigs had a 30.8% K rate, obviously a very small sample size and an 077 average. And, uh, in his first 22 plate appearances in the bigs this season, cut that K rate down to 9.1. So that's something, you know, still batting 143, um, but, uh, you know, made some improvement on his plate discipline. And like you mentioned, he is a speed demon. I mean, in the minor leagues had a couple of seasons where he stole uh, just over 40 bases. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Alex Kirilov. 
Uh, first baseman outfielder for the Twins got demoted. This seemed to come out of nowhere, and maybe I'm uh, I, I overvalue him a little bit there, Scott. But I was I was a little surprised. Uh, but I guess when you look at his overall numbers, uh, he struck out thirty seven and a half percent of the time uh, in the bigs this season, with just a three point one percent walk rate. So uh, maybe uh, you know he had that time on the IL. Maybe he just needed to you know a little change of scenery could do him good. Yeah, and honestly, I think right now they're trying to get a look at Jose Miranda. So mm-hmm. that's someone they I think they definitely want to watch. He's, he's not playing terribly well right now, but they want to take a look. And then the corner outfield spots are filled up. They've got Nick Gordon up right now, mm-hmm. uh, and they're trying to find him everyday plate appearances. They've got, you know, Giorgio's over at third. You've got uh, Luis Arias is DHing uh, most days, hitting first or second. So you kind of get to this point where you're like, where do you put him? Right, where do you put Kirilov? You've already, they've already got a ton of lefties. First base right now is Jose Miranda. When it's not Jose Miranda, it's Luis Arias. They've already got two first basemen, and it's not like Kirilov's an amazing defender or something. He's not adding much there, mm-hmm. so that makes sense there. It, they've got plenty of left-handed bats, right? With Arias, Polanco's a switch, Max Kepler's in right, and then they've got Nick Gordon as well. So there's plenty of left-handed guys. Uh, what do you do with a plotting corner outfielder then? Right. I mean, I kind of like this approach, too, because they've gone they've gone for more defense in the outfield with Nick Gordon, Max Kepler and Byron Buxton. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they had tried to put like Kirilov in the outfield, he's kind of a sandbag. So, I mean, I think that I do think that Kirilov has a good future. I just think that right now, as we talked about a lot in the preseason, the twins have a weirdly full roster of very similar true talent players. Yeah. So some of them, like the ones with options are going to go back down. Kirilov's Mm -hmm. one of them. Yeah. And uh, Royce Lewis actually doing a decent job filling in at shortstop as well. But And we did talk about that, how uh, they uh, had an overabundance of hitters uh, in the preseason, uh, the Twins did. So um, when it comes to buying low in a dynasty league at this point there, Alex Kirilov or the recently demoted Joe Adele, who when I last looked in his first eight games back down in the minor leagues, was batting three fifty five with five home runs. Uh, a 20% walk rate and a, uh, a little uncomfortable 25% K rate. Uh, who, who do you feel that you'd be more uh, comfortable in, let's say, hopefully being able to buy low in the dynasty league, Kirilov or Adele? I mean, Adele's ceiling is just so high. Like I like Kirilov, but I also kind of know what he is, you know, and <laughs> it's, I think the one thing you will notice if you look at his minor league numbers, hitting for a ton of power and guess what has struck out at least once every game. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last season season as well. Joe Adele is someone you should watch because, but you need to make sure the strikeouts come down or if the, I mean, he is walking a lot as well, but at the same that you can't, he can't strike out this much. And if he's doing that against the minor league opponents, when he gets to the majors, those breaking balls are just going to keep eating them up. He's having a hard time making that adjustment. I do think he can make it. And his upside is, uh, I think one of the early comps when he was still considered one of the top prospects in baseball was like a Byron Buxton, just athlete. Mm. He can run. I mean, not this version of Byron Buxton, like the older one, maybe, but that's still like, I'm not saying he can be that. I'm saying there is a ceiling there. And with Kirilov, it's like a decent power hitting corner. Well, for him, it's more like a decent corner outfielder who could hit 25 home runs and bat 280 at his peak. That's fine. But like, there's more of those. You can get those. You can trade for those. 
go get some old guy who does that. People are happy to get rid of him. Uh, but you know, if, if you're trying to stash for upside, it's Adele all the way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I kind of agree with you. I think that Adele does have the higher ceiling, uh, but something clicked when you said, but you kind of know what you got in Kirilov. Well, maybe we know what we got in Adele, but hopefully we don't. Hopefully we, you know, there's still better days to come for his next turn in the, in the big leagues. But you know, uh, the, the issue with Adele has been his, uh, high strikeouts when he comes. I mean, he's always been awesome playing in the minor leagues. It's just that, uh, you know, when he gets to the, uh, the majors, it's just uh, been uh, strikeouts, but, uh, hopefully better days are ahead for him. Um, when you talk strikeouts, and uh, we'll only spend like a couple of seconds on this guy, unfortunately. I feel so bad for Keston Hero, who got demoted again. Uh, not a surprise at all. Uh, we're just hoping that maybe he would have figured things out. But it just seems that every season, <clears throat> his K rate just goes up. Uh, and this season, uh, in his first 15 games, had a ungodly 47.6 K rate for Keston Hero. And the biggest thing is just that they stopped having places to put him. Yeah. Right. Jace Peterson's been hitting very well. They want to give him time. They've got Rowdy Telez who's hitting well. They want to give him time. Actually, he slowed down a bit. He slowed down quite a bit over the last week or so. This is normal Rowdy Telez behavior. Mm -hmm. We deal with this every year. People get really excited about him because he can be really good in short stretches. Hard for him to be really good for long, but anything could still happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, heck of a value for the 895th overall pick of his draft in 2013. Not too bad. Mm. Uh, I wonder where, I wonder how the other 894 are doing, but (laughs) I mean, when you, when you look at this roster, you do kind of look and just be like, well, what were they going to do with him anyway? When was he going to play? What was he going to play? Right. You can't, you can't do anything. You Urias has to stay at third. Colton Wong's been a heck of a second baseman. He's hitting really well. There's just nowhere to play him. So send him to Wong has been on fire. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big fan of, of what Colton Wong's doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm surprised by how much he's stealing uh, his, his speed kind of just goes up and down every year, but he's already got eight stolen bases. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I definitely think he could break the 20 stolen base mark for just the second time in his career. And I kind of like, you know, when I look at the numbers he's had in the past, those numbers from his probably best fantasy season in the last five years was 2019. And that kind of looks like a decent baseline for this season, except he's likely to finish with a lower batting average. He hit 285 that year. He had 11 home runs, 24 steals. I think he could do double digit home runs, a little over 20 steals, and he could probably hit 260 the rest of the way. Mm. Uh, maybe, and maybe he could do a little better than that. Uh, but, you know, hey, I, I like it a lot. This offense is really clicking right now. Willie Adamas has really picked it up. Christian Yelich looks like a new version of himself, like this mm. 20, like a 25 home run, 15 stolen base version. Like not that 40, 40 guy who's like, looks like an MVP candidate, but a good player, a player, actually the player we thought he'd be when he got to Milwaukee. Cause when he got to Milwaukee, we were all excited about him as like a sleeper getting out of Miami and that big, you know, that bad team and that big ballpark. We're like, yeah, he could be like a, he could, if he could just hit a few more fly balls, he could be like a 25 home run guy. He's got some speed. And then he went and did like 30, 30 or something ridiculous and totally screwed up our expectations. But I think we've come full circle and we're back to this pretty darn good 25 home run, 15 stolen base hitter. Yeah. You you think that we, um, that we're not going to see the guy who's going to hit 40 home runs 
and bat 330 anymore. You think that guy's is is gone? We barely got to see him as it is. We barely got to know you, Yelich. Yeah, yeah, we barely got to know him. So you know, so long farewell. That stinks. But it was really. I mean, you look at the overall track record in terms of like overall numbers. Ex- you know, even like the expected numbers. It's 2018, 2019 in its own tier, and mm. then there's everything else. So. I mean, even you look at his like his overall performance all over the place. He was a seven war player for two straight years. And then every other year, he's like, uh, like a two to four war guy. Hmm. Yeah. Just looking at his last 210 games, batting 236 with 26 homers and 17 stolen bases for a 162 game average of 20 homers and 13 stolen bases. Um, I don't know. Hopefully we could move that up to maybe a mid 20 home run range uh, for 162 game average. But I mean, I'll tell you that you probably can because Mm -hmm. he's been a lot better of late. He's had Mm -hmm. some nice little hot streaks. So since April 27th, he's hitting three Oh three with a four Oh three OBP slugging five seventy six. So the power is not the same as it used to be, but four home runs, two stolen bases in that time playing every day. I'm all for it. I think I, I do think it's there. So there's a good player in there. Um, just again, it's not the all-star, but it's darn good. And during stretches, he can be all-star like, like he has been for the last two weeks or so. Right. Uh, let's not forget that has that lingering back issue. Thanks for, thankfully it hasn't been an issue so far this season. Uh, but uh, a back issue could really sap your power. We keep on talking about it on this podcast. So uh, another guy that hit the IL Clayton Kershaw, this kind of seemed, come out of nowhere, right? Pitching lights out all season long, uh, but uh, hit the 15-day IL due to inflammation of a joint that's located on his pelvis, and specifically it's between the hip and the spine. So thankfully, the good news is it's not an arm issue. So uh, an MRI showed no structural damage, and you just wonder how many uh, innings did the Dodgers buy themselves, if any by not allowing him to finish his perfect game. You have to think about that, right? Uh, And you think about it, Dodgers were probably very smart not to let him finish that game with his injury history. But uh, all of a sudden, the Dodgers, uh, with all that depth, uh, have some issues with their starting rotation there, right? I mean, Walker Bueller, Urias, Tony Gosselin, Tyler Anderson. Then all of a sudden, they call up Ryan Pepio, uh, made one unimpressive start last week, then was sent down. Then uh, today, the 17th, which is when we're recording this podcast, uh, also uh, pitch gave up five walks and three innings pitched in his major league debut. And then today uh, had three walks and four innings pitched. Walks have been, you know, a big issue for him as a 3.75 career minor league ERA and 4.3 walk per nine. And the reason why I spend a couple of seconds on him is because, you know, lots been made about George Kirby and uh, Silseth uh, from the angels. And I, I don't think uh, Pepio is, is, you know, in that should be in that group, but uh, at this stage, Dodgers need to lean on him. They had a double header today. And uh, like I said, with Kershaw on the IL, who, who are they going to bring up? Maybe David price, maybe Mitch white. I think I'd prefer Mitch white. Yeah, I mean, how many pitchers do they have on the IL right now? I want to say it's like eight. Mm. Uh, yeah, Heaney, Kershaw, May, who wasn't expected to help out much. Right. Danny Duffy, 
Uh, and then a couple guys I don't know a ton about, like Victor Gonzalez, but Tommy Conley, Jimmy Nelson, yeah, and Blake Trinan. Cool thing guy. <laughs> yeah, so all there. Um, so they've, you know, they they've got some depth issues, but their offense is so darn good that who cares? <laughs> like that, that's so good, and like their bullpen is still, you know, their bullpen is still quite strong. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I like a lot of the pieces they have. So yeah, it's. It sounds depressing, but it's like, who cares, right? And if mm-hmm. they really want another starter, I mean, they just reactivated David Price. He's available again. Mitch White is a guy who was also on the IL recently. They just activated him. He's another guy who is a, a bit older than the rest of their prospects, but at one time was highly regarded. He's someone who could maybe get a shot uh, in the coming days. And I also know that uh, I believe they just announced that uh, the early season darling Andrew Heaney is joining the team on their road trip. I don't think he's starting quite yet, but he's throwing bullpen sessions. So he mm-hmm. should be back sooner rather than later. Mm. Jesus Luzardo hit the 15-day IL Marlins pitcher. Forearm discomfort, but supposedly not the Tommy John type of discomfort. At least that's what he was saying, because he's already had Tommy John surgery, I think, uh, a few years back. And, of course, anytime that a, a Marlins starter goes on the IL. Everyone starts thinking about Max Meyer. Uh, Meyer is not currently on the 40-man roster, but supposedly there's an empty spot on that roster. So, uh, But unfortunately, uh, Meyer, who uh, some people have been stashing, not me yet, but uh, he's been slumping at the wrong time. Uh, he had his most recent start moved up to today, Tuesday afternoon, and things didn't go well there, Scott. Pitched 3.1 innings gave up eight runs and I think he walked four batters as well. Some uh, people very high on Marlins prospect Edward Cabrera as well. But when you just take a look at his stats, I mean, they don't blow me away, but uh, I guess you could keep them on uh, your watch list and and just check out what uh, Nick Pollock and Alex Fast have to say about him. Yeah. And why start using up Myers options or anything like that when you've still got multiple options for Braxton Garrett, You've still got an option left for Edward Cabrera mm-hmm. and you still have like a bunch of guys on like on your rotation right now that are all good, right? Alcantara, mm-hmm. they've had Poteet step in and he's been, you know, he's been good. Mm-hmm. Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers. And, you know, even though he hasn't been playing well this season, Alicia Hernandez as a fifth starter, you bet. I, you know, I'm all for that. You absolutely. So the thing about, you know, I mentioned in that Reddit AMA first that in redraft leagues, I don't stash pitchers unless they're like truly game changing ability. And even if Meyer came up, uh, you never know how pitchers are going to do when they first come up because you just have so many things going on. And, you know, there's, you know, you, you he'll go out there, probably try to throw, you know, 200 miles an hour, all those things. So it makes them really volatile. And just how many starts would he get? Like in what universe does Max Meyer come to the, like, I know he's in triple a, he was in triple a last year. He's going to be ready soon, but he still only has like 40. He has 46 innings in triple a. That's it. Nine starts. He has nine starts in triple a. So why, you know, why burn all that? Why not let him work down there? Why not let him do that when you've got other guys you want to take a look at anyway, and a full rotation. Hmm. No. Uh, Chase Silseth is uh, a pitcher I just mentioned, and uh, Angels are going to let him get another start on Friday. Uh, pitched pretty well uh, last week, six innings pitched, um, 
no dis- uh, actually got the win uh, last week. Also, hey, you got to check out uh, Nick Pollock's uh, TikTok videos. He broke down uh, Chase Silseth's first two innings of work. I mean, nobody does it better than Nick. Uh, and you, you got to love Silseth's uh, filthy splitter. And uh, I actually was able to pick him up in a league because everyone was busy in NFBC leagues. Uh, George Kirby, this was the first week that you could get him. So you, you had um, individuals making $300, $400, $500 bids on, on Kirby, but uh, end up picking up still Seth. Glad that he's getting that second start there. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty exciting. The thing, you know, with the, with the angels right now is that they're running that six man rotation. So mm-hmm. it's hard to know exactly like when guys will get more chances. I imagine though, they'll continue running that because of Otani. Otani kind of changes how they can run that rotation. And they've also got just, I think a couple guys that I don't know if they trust as full-time starters all the time, like Michael Lorenzen, Chase Silseth, uh, Reed Detmers, but they can trust them for parts of the season and then just keep rotating guys in and out of there. Right. Uh, just, you know, in the minors, they've got not a ton, but they've got a couple. I think Jose Suarez could see some time, you know, he'll see some time this year, uh, you know, they'll just start, they'll just rotate guys in and out and see how it goes. Uh, and just, you know, with a six man rotation, it also takes some pressure off of your bullpen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in many ways, so you can, you know, you can be more flexible there. It'll be, you know, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see how it, to see how it all develops, but also, you know, in fantasy, he's a streamer. Mm. That's it. That's all yeah. you can really use him for because, but luckily he plays in the AL West and that means he gets the Rangers and the A's right. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at least he gets to do that. He gets to face Marcus Simeon who doesn't have any home runs. Yeah. And, and the rest of those rosters, which have like no power. I mean, Oakland was slugging like three Oh two up until like they played the Tigers. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, um, Hey, we'll leave uh, the pitcher analysis to uh, Nick and Alex. Cause they, do it best, but uh, let's take a look at some deep league options uh, in terms of hitters that have been coming on of late. Yeah, these aren't stars and probably not even on your hitter list, which uh, before we say goodbye, we'll get a little uh, update on that, but uh, deep sleeper stopgap options there, Scott. So um, Brendan Rogers, man, got off to a, a horrific start, uh, place for your favorite team the Rockies right uh second baseman uh by the end of April he was just batting 078 May May has been a magical month for him I even had dropped him in one of my leagues but um in his uh, first 11 games in the month of May 370 batting average 370 OBP and a 609 slug uh two home runs and 13 RBI in those 11 games so uh Brendan Rodgers is he a guy that uh you feel comfortable uh, picking up again at home. Yeah. Mm. Turns out he's at home all week this week. Yeah. Uh, so he has another home series this weekend. If he's still out there in your leagues, I was snapping up all kinds of Rockies. They, they actually started heating up before they even got home. So something, I mean, I kind of like Brendan Rogers. He's especially good at home. If he starts slumping, cut him again. He's just a kind of a middle infielder that is probably going to be added and dropped by several teams in your 12 team leagues. But just remember what's going to happen is this Sunday you're going to go to your waiver wire and you're going to say, Oh, I wonder what I should add this week. And you're going to do what a lot of people do. And this is totally fine. I do it too. You're going to list the players by last 15 days performance. You know, who's going to be at the top of that list. 
a whole bunch of Rockies because mm-hmm. they just spent about 15 days at home, right? Like that's <laughs> just how it's going to go. You're going to see Jose Iglesias. You're going to see Jonathan Daza. You're going to see like all these guys and you'd be like, wow, I wonder if there's something here. And just remember they were at home all week yeah, uh, against yeah. some, some soft pitching matchups too. Like that just, that's what they're doing. So they're going to be at, at the top of these lists. It doesn't mean you shouldn't add them. It just means you should recognize the context with which you're adding them. Hmm. Yep. So you had that, talked like, about, yeah, you had yeah. talked about warning uh, listeners about that with the Rockies. So danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Uh, yeah, there was a guy even, uh, and you could continue, but uh, Jonathan Daza. Uh, you know, I was uh, just about to add him, and then I went with uh, with somebody else. But uh, you look at what he's done so far, and then this week, the week that we're recording, a bunch of home games. Uh, in Colorado, I mean, but this guy though, Daza, um, career three eighteen average in the minor leagues, and uh, so far in sixty at bats this season, batting three eighty three with a four twenty four OBP and a four fifty slug. Doesn't have I know that four fifty slug might think make you think that he has some power. Doesn't, but he's basically a batting average machine. It's hard to slug less than 400 in Coors. He's more of like a singles and doubles guy. You'll notice that uh, his total number of home runs uh, in the major leagues is two in 507 plate appearances. And that's about right. Uh, That's probably all he's going to hit. What you're seeing right now is a guy who can make a lot of slap contact, getting a bunch of uh, primo starting spots at home. So he's going to be able to generate this high batting average. I think he can do that all year. I think he can hit 280 to 300 all year. He did it last year too. Just the rest of the stuff isn't going to be there. So when he's hot and he's at home, he'll get you some some doubles. But like, what's you know what's weird in in fantasy baseball, in a standard Roto League? You know how valuable a double is? Nothing if no one's on base. It's right. just a regular hit. Mm-hmm. Slugging isn't part of your league. Doubles usually aren't a stat. Right. So he's a weird, he's a weird guy to use in, in Roto style leagues because he's mostly just batting average, but there's, there is value to that. I talk about those kinds of players a lot. So when he's at home, especially when he's hitting near the top of the lineup, like he is now. Yeah. Go ahead and re- wheel him out there. He he would have been a good ad for this week. Mm-hmm. And then you would have been looking to replace him for next week because the worst thing about the Coors effect is when they first go on the road, they're even worse than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, he's a good streamer, right? Going forward. Yeah, I mean, really, that whole team is. It's mm-hmm. just a team. It's a team of streamers and CJ Crone and mm. a couple other guys. Right. Uh, Brendan Donovan's a guy that I added in one league. Got him real cheap. Uh, eligible third base in CBS, second base in Yahoo. Has played um, first base, third base, shortstop, outfield. Um, I have a feeling he's just going to be second base and third base eligible, um, and probably will pick up shortstop eligibility as well. Uh, probably going to benefit from Paul DeJong's demotion, right? Opened up some playing time for him, and uh, Nolan Gorman still in the minor leagues and probably will be for a little while. But uh, batted three oh eight in his first twenty six at bats. Disciplined hitter uh, has some power, some speed, and uh, can hit for average two eighty five, three eighty six, four twenty nine triple slash in four minor league seasons. Ain't that just like the freaking Cardinals? <laughs> I mean, 
Who, who, like out of nowhere. All right. So, oh yeah, Tyler O'Neill's slumping. Dylan Carlson's not panning out. Oh no, what's going to happen? I don't know. We got some dude named Juan Yepes y'all have never heard of. He'll come up and be our number four hitter. Yeah, we'll go get Brendan Donovan, who also you none of you have all ever heard of, like mm-hmm. a seventh round pick from 2018. Yep, he's on board too. Let's do this. He'll start hitting. We don't need our real hitters to hit. Who needs that? I'll just use Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes, and it's working. Like what the, ain't that just the most Cardinals thing to just grab some random dude and have him start hitting. That's what's happening. He's a random dude who started hitting. Yeah, I'll take him. Uh, Eli White been playing center field for the Texas Rangers, been batting lead off uh, eight stolen bases. Hasn't been caught and uh, look, this guy might still, uh, I know he, he's uh, a better hitter. I believe against lefty pitching, but has been, uh, getting at bats against both righties and lefties in uh, the recent games. Um, 280, 359, 418, triple slash in five minor league seasons. Uh, with all of us still looking for stolen bases, uh, this guy could uh, be a nice addition in a deep league. Yeah, for for those. Like, don't don't get cute. There's not anything else here. This is speed and speed, and then there's a bit more speed, and that's about it. And some hit tool. And he's right. fast too. No, I'm yeah. yeah, and he's fast. I mean, he's a, he's a decent fielder. He's more of a defensive guy than an offense guy, and that's fine for center field, especially when you're a really really bad team like the Rangers. So, I mean, he's he's going to be you know, he's a guy that can play. You know, he can play left. He can play center. He can do lots of cool stuff. It, it'll be a lot more interesting if more than one or two guys can hit at a time in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like whenever one gets better, someone else gets worse. So yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. It, it's a roto play. I don't really need him in any head to head league. I don't, I'm not really looking for him in 12 teamers. He's just a guy who might steal some bases and fill a hole in your outfield. Mm-hmm. And the next couple of guys, pretty much, I think you could say the same thing. Ben Gamble, uh pirates outfielder uh, in his first, 107 at bats batting 290 with a 367 ODP and a 449 slug uh 15 RBI and uh, but he's been uh, leading off I guess playing while he's hot right and uh Luis Gonzalez uh outfielder for the Giants I actually picked him up in a deep league and uh hasn't played the past couple of days but before that was playing every day <laughs> um let's see uh 349 batting average 15 rbi which is decent in his first 21 games right two home runs three stolen bases has shown the ability to steal bases in his minor league career good discipline just a 13.7 k rate yeah you know what i just realized when i was i was researching some of you know some of these guys i'm like oh yeah ben gamble every year we talk about ben gamble just a little bit uh you know my good friend mikey ahedo always liked him too uh he he's like a, he's kind of a scrappy slap hitter who can go on some runs, especially against right-handed pitching. Right. Uh, that's what he's doing. Now you look at his career numbers. It's always like they end up being the same, but in season, he's basically like, he gets, he gives you like one to two months throughout the season that are good. And then everything else is like, eh, it's, it's not really there. Cause again, not a ton of power. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is, this is about as good as he can hit and he's slugging like four thirty six. Hmm. It's just all the power he has. Um, he, he could hit 10 home runs in a full season if he gets the whole year, but it'd be hard for him to do as a pirate because of the, you know, the big home ballpark. But, you know, there's 
there's something there. But one thing I had no idea about, did you know the pirates only start one right-handed batter most of the time? Wow. <laughs> Brian Hayes. Brian Hayes is the only true right-handed batter. They've got uh, Brian Reynolds, who's a switch, and Rodolfo Castro, who they've been using at shortstops, a switch. They played Diego Castillo off the bench. Michael Chavez is right-handed, and he substitutes at second and third sometimes. Mm. But most of this team is left-handed. It's That's bizarre. a shocker. That's like the exact opposite of uh, the Blue Jays, right? But uh, how yeah. could you bear the, the two lineups? But uh, Blue Jays, heavy right-handed uh, lineup with uh, just basically Tapia at the stage. Mike Moustakis, you talk about a guy without power. This guy has power um, and has been um, actually pretty productive since he came off the IL in his last uh, 16 games. 327 batting average with three home runs and eight RBI. Not going to hit for average, but he could be a stopgap power guy for you. Yeah, remember when he was like always the perennial, like, oh, everyone's forgetting about Mike Moustakis because he had like three straight seasons where he was like a 30 home run hitter with, you know, decent batting average. So, you know, those days are long gone. They aren't coming back, Uh, you know, get those dreams right out of your mind. But there could be a decent hitter here, like a 20 home run guy with a low batting average. There's there's leagues where that plays. Only leagues, 15 teamers, where you need that corner or middle infield or something. But otherwise, I'm just not that interested in Mike Moustakis. I, I don't know. you know what, what are you hoping he becomes at this point? Because there's no way you can believe that the 2017 through 2019 Mike Moustakis is still there. I guess you're hoping, what, for 250, 25 home runs? I mean, the guy is a solid power hitter. Uh, Well, he was. mm -hmm. Well, he didn't didn't just, you know, turn into a weakling. I mean. uh, But that's the thing is he kind of did. Like, that's what we've seen, right? Like, it's all just gone. It just left. So it's it's really weird. But I guess we'll see. I mean, I think that would be the best realistic outcome is a Mm. 25 home run hitter. Yeah. So obviously, obviously that plays, especially when you have middle and corner and field spots to fill. Uh, but, you know, I think anything more shallow than that, like a 10 team standard Yahoo League, you, you just can't care that much about this right now. Yeah, I am looking at his hard hit rate. I think it's only 23 uh, percent, according to fan graphs. So uh, maybe you're right. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe needs to eat a spinach. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you do with your hitter list that comes out? today because the podcast comes out on Wednesday. Uh, Bryce Harper, um, he's been actually playing better. He's got a little small tear in his right UCL, uh, getting some pre-planned platelet-rich plasma treatment. So he he, uh, was out of the lineup Sunday and Tuesday. Uh, But playing with that little injury, he's been on fire. It doesn't seem to affect him. He's not going to be able to play the field, but uh, thank God that the uh, NL adopted the DH. What have you done with Bryce Harper hitter list wise? So the big question I have, so right now, I mean, coming into this and, and on the last list, he was ranked seventh overall, but he was not in the top tier. Hmm. So the question I have to ask myself is, do I like Bryce Harper more than I like Mike Trout? Uh, so I haven't made that decision yet. Both have played really well. Worth noting that in the month of May, no one has been good as bright as Bryce Harper. Uh, mm. He has six home runs, 
which is tied for the most. He has uh, 12 runs scored. That's the fourth most out of 180 qualified hitters in the month of May. Uh, His RBI is 13. That's eighth most. And then, of course, he stole three bases, which is tied for fourth most. Like he's literally he's he's like doing everything right. He's now. a one man wrecking crew. He is on fire. He's unstoppable. There's nothing anyone can really do about it. Uh, his WRC plus is like twenty something points higher than anyone else for the month of May. His ISO. His ISO. ISO. Th- guess okay. So I'll tell you this: the number two ISO in the month of May belongs to John Carlos Stanton, and it is four hundred. What do you think Bryce Harper's ISO is for the month of May? Yeah, let's go 500. 521, Joe. I was fairly close. Okay. I got to start 521. Like, do you know how that stat is? Do you know how that stat is calculated? It's your slugging minus your batting average. Slugging 521 would be good. Really good. Really? He's slugging 917. Rating NL of the MVP, yeah. 53. 53 plate appearances to slug 917. That's comical. I got a tear in my UCL. Who cares? Don't need it. It's a dumb, it's a dumb league. He has, you know how many, how many more points of slugging he has than the next highest? Which is Gene Segura somehow. Hmm. Yeah. So Gene Segura's <laughs> slugging 727, which means he's behind by 190 points of slugging. Oh, wow. So while I've done it, I've convinced myself Bryce Harper uh, is going to move ahead of Mike Trout, but is still not in the top overall tier because the top overall tier right now is five players. I think that people would actually draft first overall. Mm. Ronald Acuna Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., Jose Ramirez, Trey Turner, Juan Soto. I've heard good arguments for all of them. Uh, As much as I like Bryce Harper, I don't think anyone would take Bryce Harper over those five guys. Maybe one of them. But there ain't no way someone's taking Bryce Harper over Acuna Jr., who is back in the lineup and healthy, mm-hmm. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Trey Turner, Juan Soto, or Jose Ramirez. It's just not happening. So he is he is as high as he could possibly get. Uh, so, I, you know, obviously I like him a lot. I talked about Gene Segura. I've moved, I'm moving Gene Segura up quite a bit. I always make fun of Gene Segura because... Like normally what happens is by the end of the season, he's this guy that has like 11 home runs, 11 stolen bases and looks really, really good on like a player Raider because he gets like 700 something plate appearances. He just is healthy and plays a lot. Mm. So he he's an accumulator and he doesn't he's not very valuable in a Yahoo standard league because there's no middle infield and there's almost always something with more potential out on the wire. But I have to move him up right now because he's hitting well and he should absolutely be streaming for a lot of teams. I mean, yeah. they just, if, if you had, you if you had a Owen Miller, fan, yeah, so that, that like, kudos to you. Yeah. Like if you had Owen Miller, like get rid of him, right? Mm. There, there's something better right now. Go, yeah. go do that right now. Stream that right now. Andres yeah. Jimenez, he's out there. Go stream that right now. Mm-hmm. Another guy that, that's moving up. And, and something I think that a lot of people uh, are going to have to, it's, that's going to take some getting used to is much like the back end of Nick's list. I'm going to move these guys aggressively all the time. Because they're streamers. And what do we do with streamers? We cut them. We cut them. We use them until we don't want them anymore. We cut them. And it sounds so cold, but that's how these rankings should work. There's no reason whatsoever to hold on to a, you know, if Brandon Belt was cold in a 12-team league, 
generally speaking, you should cut him and find something else. Like a Trey Mancini who's heated up a little bit. Yep. Right? Or if it was in your utility spot, like Alec Thomas was out there. Mm-hmm. And absolutely someone that, you know, people should be still paying attention to. Uh, yeah, there's just no need to wait. Like, why would anyone just like I wanted to wait on AJ Pollock? Because in theory, when Andrew Vaughn went down, he had this nice spot hitting second in this lineup and could, you know, could really turn things around. He didn't. So he's a cut in three outfield leagues. And even some like 10, you know, 10 and maybe even a 12 team, five outfield league, depending on your roster construction, right? Like, I don't feel bad if my opponents get to pick up AJ Pollock. I don't care. Even if he's the best player left on the wire. Do you think I care if my, you know, in a 12 team league, if someone else has AJ Pollock? I don't. I don't think so. Especially no, since he's going to hit the IL before long anyway. But anyway. yeah, and that's, that's the reason no one will trade you for him either. Because right. like, they're like, well, you're going to cut him anyway. Mm-hmm. I'll just wait. You'll cut him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if I really want him, I'm not going to pay anything for it. So like, that's kind of how the list is working. So that back end moves around a lot. I think there are some players who I've been holding near the top of the list, just kind of waiting that I think have to fall more. Luckily, one of those guys isn't Whit Merrifield. So I'm I'm happy about that. He's really turned things around lately, hitting, you know, getting hits every game, maybe even two hits. Uh, I believe he had some hits today. But as I was looking at that game today, I just noticed uh, something I'll really have to do on my hitter list is figure out, hopefully I can get some news. So I figure out where to put Sal Perez, who is hitting the IL with a thumb issue. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I that does give some opportunity to MJ Melendez. He will yep. not be on the list. There's no reality where MJ Melendez, I mean, he's just, he's a streaming catcher. Mm -hmm. That's it. So I'm not really interested in that, but that's kind of really what's going on with the hitter list. Um, More and more places are kind of locking in. Uh, Max Muncy's probably going to have to move down. That's a big one. Uh, You know, I had Marcus Simeon at 45 and he's going to take a huge plunge. Mm. Um, He's probably going to drop by like 50 or more. So, you know, there's that going on too, but. Yeah, I guess I'll have to finish putting it together. But those are really some of the biggest movers. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, sounds like you've got uh, a full evening still ahead of you as you adjust the hitter list. We look forward to reading it uh, on a Wednesday, the 18th. And that slams the lid on things for today. Great stuff as always there, Scott. Next time we get together uh, should be Wednesday, May 25th, a day of significance. Uh, don't forget to follow me at Joe Galena. Follow that guy. His name is Scott Chu. Follow him at If The Chu Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. And uh, look, if you have anything specific that you want us to cover, let us know there. Subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you uh, get your podcast, uh, wherever you download your podcast. And, uh, give us a, a nice review if you can. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities And we'll see you next time.